Dear Father in Heaven, before we open thy word, it's only right, it's only fitting to speak to thee directly, to ask for a direct speaking to us through thy word. Dear Father, thou art the God who reveals, the one who is, who dwells in light that no man can approach to, but himself has sent that light, has revealed himself in Jesus Christ the one who has promised the living water to all who will partake of it, will come and take of it without money, without price. They can take of it freely from the pages of this book. But dear Father, as this is mixed with faith, belief, trust in Thee, casting ourselves before Thee, Thou wilt come and shine in our hearts. And these words will become more than just pages, uh, just uh, words on, on a page that we read, but they will become living. Dear Father, we pray for the open, opening of thy living word to us this morning and the opening of our hearts to thee, the living God. Dear Father, we acknowledge our weakness, our utter dependence on thee. It is not by the power of man that we can uh, do these things, that we can minister from thy word, dear Father, or that we can receive it even but it is as we submit unto thy spirit. Dear Father, we thank thee for this opportunity, and we know that Jesus is here. He is in the midst of his church. He is looking, he's examining, and he's doing it all in such love, with such wisdom, looking at each member, each one that he has died for, each one that in weakness claims his name, dear Father, and he is this morning willing to do that work of restoration, that work of encouragement, that work of empowering. We know he is here. So we pray this in his name. Amen. For this morning's meditation, I'd like to turn to the uh, same passage that I read from the last time I was up here at the pulpit but focus on the latter half of it. It's Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Starting with verse 15. Ephesians 1, starting with, from verse 15. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him 
to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. I read to the end of the first chapter of Ephesians. May God bless the reading of his word. The Lord is worthy that we bow before him in prayer. Our loving Father in heaven, how glorious are thy works and thy ways past finding out. What a glorious epistle this is that we have before us. With such a few chapters yet compacted with your gospel, with your majesty, with your glory, with your holiness, with your love. O Lord in heaven, how blessed are we whom thou dost love, that we have been given understanding that our eyes have been enlightened with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, that we have come to the knowledge of the truth which is hidden from many, the God of this world having blinded their eyes that they may not see. But it is available to all. And even here in this sanctuary this morning, there is a dividing line between those that have been enlightened, that have been born again, that have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit in your word, and those that are seeking you, and those that are not seeking you. O oh Lord, your word will divide. Your word will make a difference and your word will judge us one day, the Lord Jesus himself said. We pray that this morning as we all gather together that the saints would be edified and strengthened, encouraged and exhorted and uplifted. We pray, Lord, that those that are seeking will find. Those that are knocking will the door be opened unto. And those that are asking, they will be receiving from thee, the living God. Father, we pray for those that are on the fence, that do not know, that are not sure, that you would confirm yourself to them in a very powerful way, that you would reveal yourself, O oh Lord, that there is no truth but your word, the logos, the reason and the wisdom of God. Father, we pray that you would open their eyes to see that this world is just catapulting towards destruction. Every day we face the news, we see the events of this world, how they are evolving. The more and more your truth is being confirmed and the more and more your truth is shining brighter, the things that are taught therein the love of God, the wisdom of God, the holiness of God, the blessedness of peace and rest in Christ Jesus, that we need not worry, that we need not fret, but that we can rest in Him. Oh Father, we pray that they would find this true rest, this peace that passes all understanding, as the Apostle says, 
in further chapters. Father, we pray that thy holy word will find good ground in the hearts of all, especially those that have not received the Lord Jesus as their Savior. And that seed would bring forth much fruit unto your honor and glory. Father in heaven, we pray for those that are in this world that are seeking you and that are worshiping you in spirit and in truth, yet are being persecuted for your name's sake. We know it's happening in every country, whether overtly or covertly. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be their comfort and strength and that our prayers would ascend unto them that are crying for your intervention, for your rescue, for your salvation. Oh Lord, we have it so well here. We have the time, we have the means, we have the place, we have the support. Help us to lift holy hands, praying for governments and all the powers that you have ordained to do your will. But we pray that you would spare your people and your flock. Father, we pray for those that are going under much oppression and persecution, even away, but also at home under these very extenuating circumstances that we find ourselves in, where we have been under lockdown for such a long time, and how relieving and how refreshing it is to, to find a glimpse of freedom to worship face to face in one accord glorifying your name and praising it together. Help us, Lord, to cherish this time. Help us, Lord, to value, not take it for granted. For the days will come where your word will uh, be scarce. There will be a fast for your word. It will be very rare and, and many will be thirsting and hungering for it like even in China today that are an underground church that weep and cry when they receive a Bible. Oh Lord, help us not to, to, to take it for granted. Your word says that, that we need to walk circumspectly, redeeming the times because the day, days are evil. Father, we pray, we thank you for the converts that we have, for the three that are ready for baptism. We pray that you would continue to work in their lives and help them grow in grace and strength and truth. And that the day will come when we will also rejoice together with the angels of heaven to receive them into the family of God. Father, we pray for those that are in our midst that are not here this day because of illness, because of old age, because of other hardships in their life that prevent them from being here. We pray that you would be with them comfort and strengthen them, heal them. We have many in this congregation and many in other congregations that we are aware of that are facing serious illnesses. We pray for Sister Olga Ordo, Olga Vuko. We pray, O oh Lord, for um, Sister Liv Vilek and, and Alex Ledenak in Windsor. And we pray, O oh Lord, for all those that have been oppressed with the, the, the affliction of this flesh for 
Christy Ritzman and little Jacob Whitehart. Lord, you know each and every one and forgive us where we don't name everyone, but we pray that you know them far better than we do and that you would comfort and strengthen and heal and that we would glorify your name. Your word says that call upon me in the day of trouble and that you will hearken unto us and we will glorify you. Oh God, bless the word now that as it goes forth. Help it that each and every heart will be willing recipients of it, receiving the word in meekness mingled with faith and give utterance to our dear brother as he would expound it that we would be sitting at your feet for learning. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The last time I preached from this uh, chapter, and I didn't read the, the first half of it, um, more than half of it, uh, I said that I felt overwhelmed. And I think, um, I don't think anyone can read this chapter and just think, ah, I understand everything completely about it. I mean, just the grammar alone, the whole structure of it, the first, apparently the first verses 3 to 14 is one long sentence, one long sentence in the Greek. And when we approach a scripture like this, that's overwhelming in the sense of trying to understand it, it's just so good, as we sang this morning, to, to, to realize who is the one who gives the clarity on this and the reason and the purpose that he gives the clarity, the, the, the understanding and the revelation, not for head knowledge. Um, if it was a matter this morning of me just explaining to you what, what everything means from a textual standpoint or... or uh, um, how to parse all the all the, the, the semantics and the meanings of this passage, uh, that would be beside the point. It would almost be, uh, it would be head knowledge that wouldn't do any good. We pray and our, our earnest desire is that the Word of God has effect, that it bears fruit, that it does something. And uh, permit me just to, to read these remaining verses in this hymn 122 that we read this morning at the that we sang at the beginning of the service, Thine is the Light. The first verse was talking about God being the light from whence we understand things and the, the spring from where the wisdom flows. Verse 3, Thy spirit give. Confounded is the mind which thou dost not inspire. That heart is faint and labors fall behind till thou dost light new fire. Oh, teach and warn us by thy spirit. With open ears grant that we hear it. Thy spirit give. And I'll keep reading, but just the, the beauty of this hymn, uh, I thought as I read this passage and, and then reflected on this hymn there, it's a beautiful commentary in a way, if um, we could use that word on this. You know, the, the old dichotomy that, that, that uh, we often come up against that there's God's will or God's part in salvation and our part in salvation, and really that's a false dichotomy in the sense of it is a coming together. That it is, it is a, a man responding, as, as we heard last Sunday, to, to God's working and God's doing. Man uh, uh, being awake and alive to, 
to, to, to God. And this hymn is about that. Thine is the spirit, thine is the power, thine is the light. And yet, woven in this hymn is our response. Listen to this. Thou, thou givest fruit. That's verse 5. How many seedlings sprout to wither in an hour? The fruit of grace is fully rounded out and ripened by thy power. All who in spring thy laws are keeping, at harvest time they will be reaping thy gift, good fruit. It's that responding to God's work. You know, in any relationship, if we start dividing the point at which one party does this much, the other party does that part, the relationship is kind of, you know where it's going. It's going to, on the rocks, basically. It's going into a legalistic kind of a, a, um, an accounting. A real living, alive relationship is one in which you're not thinking those kinds of things. You're consumed so much with the other person and caring for them and what their, their needs are and, and, and so on and so forth that it doesn't come down to, well, how much am I doing? And how much is that other person doing? You know, that really, that kind of thinking only needs to happen when we are cooling off, when we're not doing the things that we should, when we start to realize that, well, maybe I, I did something wrong here. My behavior wasn't helpful to the other person. Then I start to be more introspective and thinking about myself. But a real, a living relationship is one where we're not looking and, and parsing out, I do this much and you do that much, no. We're looking and being consumed with the other person. And so it is with God, and so it is with this, this passage of Scripture, is that as Paul lays out this glorious plan of salvation, his prayer is that the believer is going to be consumed, awakened, made alive to this knowledge of, of, of God and who he is. This verse 17, the spirit of, of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. So we st our eyes start to open to all the things that God is doing and, and all the, the, uh, the ways he has planned out salvation and is working in me, his power, his, his might. But we start here from verse 15. And I thought that, was, that would be a little more helpful this morning to focus on just this passage in the scripture. Not so much the, the, the grand, huge plan in the preceding verses, but here now, where he starts, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. Let's stop there. Now, here comes uh, the response. Here comes the, the, the basis, the, the foundation on which that knowledge is going to be built in our lives, the, the basis on which we're going to be awakened more and more to God. We're going to see his glory. We're going to see his power. It's going to start with our faith in the Lord Jesus and our love unto all the saints. We'll get to that more later towards the end here. This faith in the Lord Jesus. I think it starts very simple. You know, read a chapter like this and, and if you don't know the Gospels, if you don't know the simple facts of what Jesus has done, this would be meaningless to you. It would be some sort of... Uh, what are you talking about, you know, before uh, uh, the foundation of the world? What is this Christ? He gathering together all things. It's only on the basis of knowing what has happened in the Gospels, what Jesus Christ has done, and believing in that, believing in those simple physical facts, but so much more than that, springing into a relationship, being born again, as we've heard recently, 
that's the basis on which you can understand any of these things in this in this chapter these these great and weighty things about God's plan and the glory of his grace it's only in the basis of this man Jesus Christ who came into time and space and now we believe on him and it is very straightforward and that's that's the beauty of 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 what we preach and what we believe in is that the simple one will never be turned aside. He will never be, be uh, hoodwinked or fooled by someone as long as he sticks to that simple truth of who Christ is, what he's done. Then we don't need to, 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 to get lost in the weeds of, of um, hidden knowledge or trying to understand all, all these deeper things that, that um, as Peter warns in his epistle about, about some of Paul's epistles, some, they twist to their own uh, destruction. That's the beauty and the power of what we preach is it, it starts very simple. But the depths of it, it can never be plumbed. The riches that are in there, the, the things, the new things we can discover in God, it's not simple. It's not just a, now I learned, I learned the song in Sunday school, I learned the story, and that's it. No, there is so much more. And it starts from this faith in the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. That he is the Lord, he is my Lord. We're not going to get anywhere with God or understanding anything about him, his purposes, what he wants to do in our lives if we're not going to have faith in him as the Lord, as the one who rules us personally. It's convicting for me. How often do I live in a way that I'm not acknowledging his lordship as the one who reigns, the one that I'm looking to as, what's your next direction? What's your next command? I have my plan. I know what I'm going to do next. I, I, I keep going on the way I'm going to go. But no, a servant of a lord, he looks and asks, what's your direction? What, what do you have me do next? What is your plan? That is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then after Paul has heard about this faith and love that the, the, these saints in Ephesus and probably that surrounding area have, he turns to an, a word of encouragement about prayer. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And uh, what does he pray about? Versus what do we often pray about? I think that's a good question, a good contrast. It's good and it's right that we pray for the physical needs of others. Jesus said that. If you have a need, you come, you ask of your Father. If you're ill or if you're sick, um, whatever your needs are, you come before, and that's only uh, natural of a, of a child and a father. But the more the child becomes, grows into the image of his father, the more he starts to care about the things that his father cares about, I think those prayers should change and develop and expand, too. We shouldn't just pray about the physical needs of other people, although we often do, and it's right and good. We should be praying about things like this. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Your eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you would uh, know what the hope of his calling is. These are the things that really matter. In the big picture, the illness, if the Lord wills, may pass. We may be healed. The, the financial difficulties that we're going through may 
get resolved? May not. He, he doesn't promise uh, that. But the things that he does promise are the, the, the weighty things, the things that really matter, that I know more of him, I know more of what he's doing in my life, that I know more of his character. And to the carnal person, the person that's just focused on the here and now, the physical, that doesn't mean anything, does it, right? It's, oh, it's just a bunch of words. But to the one who, who sees what really matters in life, love, truth, these things, they start to have more weight, and they start to have more significance. They start to be the things that we ought to be praying about and, and seeking for as the, the real driving, that we would all be more conformed to the image of Christ. That, that should be our concern for others that we love too. Not just that you have a good life and you get over what you're going through. I don't mean to trivialize anything of the, of the trials that we go through. And, and we're told in the Bible we need to feel with those that are going through things. Remember those that are bound as being, those that are in bonds as being bound with them. Christ said, you know, you don't, don't visit the sick or, or the poor or the prison. You didn't do it unto me. But to see the big picture in all this, so that when I'm doing that, when I'm supporting and helping my brother and sister or, or the person outside of Christ that's in these difficulties, I'm looking for the big picture in them, helping, trying to support this, the understanding, the seeing of, of, of God's working, that hope is what is, is allowing me to, to, to triumph in all this. That is the promise. That's what he's given us. That's the basis of his authority and power. If you keep on going down to verses 21 here, that, that how God has put Christ over all things, all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named, he's put him there in that authority, and that is the authority that we claim over the problems that we have. It's not the authority that says, I believe in Christ, so I'm no longer going to be sick, or I believe in Christ, so I'm no longer going to have a, have a difficult uh, uh, um, job experience. No. I believe in Christ, so I will triumph in this. By his resurrected power, I will claim victory over this, even when I'm not feeling that great, even when I don't know the future of where the next meal may come from. I'm going to claim that surpassing victory in, in Jesus Christ. That's the, the, the power, the authority that's given now. One day, all nations, all kindred, everyone will, will bow before Christ. But that's not yet seen now. We, we see not yet all things put under his feet, as Hebrews says. But we do know he has been given all authority, power, might, and dominion. He is in heavenly place. There is nothing that can withstand him. Nothing important. You know, we look at the earthly authorities and, and the the mandates that they make in, in, in their jurisdiction, their responsibility, and, and you think, well, that's power. That's, that's really, you know, they say it's shut down, it's got to shut down. But that's not real power. That's not the true, lasting power. That's not the resurrected power of Jesus Christ, which raised him from the dead and now allows me to live in heavenly places with him. So, what has been given to us? What are the things we ought to be praying for as, 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 our, as, our, as our goal, the thing that fuels us? Hope. The hope of his calling. So that we could see 
just what lies in front of us, all the great things that have been promised to us in Jesus Christ. That hope alone, that of that calling, the hope of his calling, and you know, see they're linked again, and this is the whole concept of our part and God's part being mixed together and being one. It's a calling. We've got to respond to that calling. But in responding to that calling, what hope, what glory, what power there is in that. What the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is being promised to us. And if you have an inheritance, you have to claim that inheritance. It doesn't just... Um, you have a choice to walk away from it, whether you want to be identified with that family to which adoption is being offered, or whether you want to... Uh, um, just put it aside and, and go back to whatever you're, you're entranced with. What is the greatness, exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power? They are our part again, to believe, to believe in that power, to claim it. The surprising thing is, as you read this through this chapter, and um, you know where it starts so high and so lofty. To me, the surprising thing is the where it ends up. I shouldn't be surprised. I, I know I've read enough of the Bible to know this is God's plan. But he, he, it's almost like he builds all of that up, builds it all up to come to Christ being put over head of all things. He hath put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things, and then to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Isn't that surprising? After all this, there was not one mention of the church uh, other than the opening salutation in this whole passage. And then from this explanation of who Christ is and the, and the plan of salvation and that God had planned it all before time, now he goes and, and comes down to you and me right here now, this local body, this church. This Christ who has been put over all things, who has everything in, in under him, all powers and, 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 and authorities, he is now head over all things to the church for the purpose to help, to, to manifest himself, all of that authority and power through the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Uh, that to me is an amazing thing. Uh, that to me, just puts the whole new light on the purpose of our gathering, the nature of our gathering. That the, the Lord of all the universe has been put, God has placed him in a position of power and authority, and it doesn't stop with him. He now uses that power and authority to the church, to manifest himself in and among the church. That's remarkable, that's, that's amazing. And then it goes on to state something which I do not grasp, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. This glorious Christ who has been placed over all authority and power and dominion, now it says the church is the fullness of him. That humbles me. I think it ought to humble you too. And it is only um, as I realize that it is all of him that I'm able to accept that and say, okay, we will now labor to uh, let Christ be the fullness of himself among us. 
we'll try to get out of the way of that. We're never going to achieve it on our own. We're never going to manifest our gifts, quote-unquote, in a way that, okay, now I'm going to display this part of Christ and that part of Christ. Uh, that's, that's a hopeless task. We can't do that. But it's only as we get out of the way, as we realize who Christ is and how great and how big, as we become consumed by that relationship of, with Christ, that we start to really manifest this fullness of Christ, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. This body. And that's uh, one of the, the pictures that scripture uses. It uses body, it uses a city on a hill, building that's as, as, uh, as Paul writes further on but the body is a, is a remarkable picture and it's one that we need to think about a little bit especially in these times and frankly speaking it's always been a challenge in a big city where we're all spread apart where we live our separate lives throughout the week to think that yes we're actually a body and a body you know one part of it just cannot exist on its own it can't function it's not Take a part of your body apart from, from the rest of you and it's gonna, you know what's gonna happen to it. There's gonna be, come a point where it cannot be joined back together. It can't sew back together. This is God's plan. I don't know how often I've settled for something less because of my convenience, because of my uh, fear maybe. Where I've turned up off. I've turned aside from this glorious plan that's been laid out in Ephesians and, and said not now. Um, maybe a couple years down the road. I don't think I've said that audibly or, or even thought it maybe in, in those words, but it's, that's the result of my actions. When I've turned off, when I've turned aside from, from someone that needs help, from someone that needs that, that interaction, when I've said, well, I've got something more important to do. Think about Paul. <laughs> who wrote this letter. This is one of his prison epistles. It says, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, here at the, the close of the letter, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul was in prison. He was physically prevented from seeing these other people here. And the reason he was physically prevented was because he preached the gospel, because he had loved them and he pursued uh, a God's calling in his life. We have to ask ourselves, how often are we physically limiting ourselves from the body because of reasons that just fall below that? Be they fear, be they concerned for my own self? How often have I done that? Have I pulled back because well, I won't be appreciated? What's the use? I tried. I'm not looking to Christ. I'm not looking to Him this glorious plan of salvation that he has. I'm not allowing the eyes, my eyes to be open to see what's the hope, that, the, the riches that I have, the power that's available to me. I mean, this, this chapter just opens the crack if you keep reading in, the, in, these, in the rest of this letter. The glorious plan for the church, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. This is just like the, the, the entrance to it, the first sentence of, that, of, of, of what he's going to expound upon through God. I think it's something we ought to all be more excited about. 
You know, I last night I was uh, sitting on the couch and I have the door, sliding door open. We we don't believe in air conditioning, and uh, um, there's a path behind my house. People will walk through it, and, and as the the night gets on, gets a little later, you can hear the conversations of, of, of the people as they pass uh, by. And one was um, sad to say, it's two younger guys, I, I assume they were. And the one was saying to the other, I am so wasted, which is, you know, the, the slang for being inebriated. I'm so wasted that I can't even this or that. And thankfully, they didn't linger or they didn't cause a disturbance. They walked on. And I just heard that little snippet of the conversation. I had to think, what a commentary. I'm so wasted. How many of us are wasted? in whatever we're involved in, in whatever we're intoxicated with. I ask that first to you, my friend outside of Christ. Are you wasted from this, this glorious plan of salvation that, that if you give yourself to it, if you respond to it, is all-consuming? And uh, I say that as a, as a, as a baby, just, um, just tasting, you know, just having my palate developed, as it were, uh, as I as I eat more of God and, and, and take him in more, I see this, this is all-consuming, and it is a glorious, amazing thing that, that, to the praise of his glory. But how much of it is wasted? How much of it is... You know, God has his plan, and in his wisdom, he's given everyone a choice. He's given everyone a choice whether they want to be wasted, to, to waste what he's given them, or to respond not that they can accomplish anything on their own. Let's go back to that. That hymn. Thine is the growth. Yea, that which thou hast sown in secret do thou bless. For softly might a passing wind have blown and ruined its success. For there thy word good root hath taken, where thou, Lord, did the germ awaken, thine the increase. Thine is the praise, O Lord of majesty. Thou art our resting place. Work thou in us a longing after thee in this the day of grace. At last we lay our sheaves before thee, and with the angels there adore thee. Thine is the praise. It will come full circle. In eternity, we will be all consumed with praising the Lord for his glory and his grace. Here now, we have that choice, whether we're going to respond, whether we're going to have faith in the Lord Jesus, love to all the saints, and then have our eyes open and see this plan of salvation and get more and more excited about it, have that power working through us, or whether we're going to waste the opportunity that the Lord has given to us now, here and now. May the Lord bless the meditation on his word.